Good morning, One Hope. It's January 9th, 2024, and we're studying a new book this week, the book of James in the New Testament. And our passage for today is James chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Here is our takeaway for today. Do it first, and then you will see. We will spend two weeks in this book, book of James, This is a letter written by the half-brother of Jesus. And James, along with Peter, was one of the pillars of the early church, in particular, the Jerusalem church. And verse 1 tells us that this letter is addressed to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. This probably refers to the Jewish Christians who were outside of Jerusalem and the Palestine region, scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And this was letter probably written sometime between 46 to 49 AD, which makes this book the earliest book probably written in the New Testament. This is a letter, as it says in verse 1, but it actually doesn't read like a letter, but it reads more like a sermon. Probably this is because these are sermon messages which James had preached and probably compiled together into a letter form and sent to the 12 scattered tribes of Jerusalem who are the Jewish background or Jewish Christians. The earliest church was composed mostly of Christians who were of Jewish descendants. And that's why the book actually um, was sent to the scattered tribes of, um, 12 tribes of Israel. The book of James, when you read it, also feels a lot like another book in the Old Testament, namely the book of Proverbs. So the result, so the result is, when you actually read this book, which is supposed to be a letter, it reads more like a sermon, it reads more like the book of Proverbs, and in short, it feels like a book that is very simple. And if you have been a Christian for some time, nothing in this letter will catch you by surprise. Most, if not everything in the letter, is something you've already heard and you already know. And especially if you've been reading through the entire New Testament in order, You'll feel that you will feel that even more. That is, the, this book of James is very simple, sometimes just too simple, simplistic, even, if you will. Because you've been going through the letters of Paul, and you read how deep Paul's understanding of the gospel is, how precise his language is in describing the gospel. In the book of Romans, if you've been reading through the New Testament, you would have experienced the beauty and the glory of the gospel and its depth in the way Paul describes it, connects it to the Old Testament, and he uses these theological words to describe it. And just before you read the book of James, you would have even read the book of Hebrews, book by another author, not Paul, most likely. 
And you would have read how Jesus supersedes the Old Testament, and you would have seen the connection that's made left and right between the Old Testament and Jesus. And then you get to the book of James, and it's just simple things for simple, common Christians, so it feels. And it just tells us to do what we already know and we should do. So I, for one, actually have felt in the past in reading the book of James that this book actually lacks, lacks uh, depth and richness in the way other books of the New, Te New Testaments um, do. But boy, was I ever wrong. It was actually the opposite. There's a reason why I felt that the book of James was simple or simplistic. It's not that the book of James was not deep. It was because my Christian life was not deep enough to see its beauty, although it's different kind of depth. You see, the book of James invites us into this beauty of the gospel, but it does so through a different channel. It's not through opening up the scriptures and, and leading us to search it intensely in a Bible study. It invites us to take what we already know and calls us to simply do it. And then, by doing it, it invites us to see the depth of the understanding we come to because we've been doing it. One thing I learned, or I did in seminary, with my professor and my fellow students, we talked a lot about how we should do and shouldn't do pastoral ministry. Ideas were pretty deep, so I thought. And I thought the things which professors talked about, especially those who've never had pastoral ministry, I thought that what they were saying were quite deep because they were able to talk about it from a very theoretical perspective by reading through a lot of books and so on. And these were the type of stuff that my pastors at church never talked about. But I realized over the years that pastoral ministry is not learned in the classroom of a seminary. It's learned in, in the church the in the field, in the not classroom, but in the room of a fellow believer that you are serving in their house as you are doing it. That's where you learn how to be a pastor. Just like that, there are things in life which we come to learn and only learn as we do it. And faith life is also like that. You don't learn it just by reading through it. You learn it as you do what the Bible says. Today's passage talks about trials and tells us that there are three different types of trials that we go through. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The first kind of trial that we go through is a kind that we go through for the purpose of our growth, the growth of our faith. 
hardships and difficulties that we face and go through, these trials that help us grow in our faith. And when we face those trials, it tells us, consider it a joy because it will lead to our growth. Next, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. The second type of trial that we go through is the kind that we go through because of our faith in Jesus Christ, because of his name, persecution, treatment, or bad treatment, negative treatments that we experience, loss that we have to incur because of our faith in Jesus Christ. When you go through that kind of faith, James tells us, endure it because the reward, re, uh, the reward that, will re that you will receive shall be great. Finally, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot tempt it by evil, nor does he tempt it tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Third type of trial that we go through are temptation that leads us, takes us away from our faith. When you face those trials, resist it, fight it. There's no ifs and buts but just fight it, endure through it, and uh, not endure, fight it, resist it, overcome it. Don't justify by saying, God, let me through it, or even say, I couldn't help it. Situation is perfect. No, sin is a sin. Don't give excuses. Just fight it, overcome it. Here's something interesting and for you to consider, especially those of you who have done one-to-one -one discipleship with us at One Hope. These three types of trials I just talked about, they all come out of first, uh, come out of one-to-one -one discipleship material. You would have, you talked about it. You thought about it. Now, the question is, are you doing it? It's not that we don't know this. It's that we don't do it. But James is saying, until you do it, you will not experience the depth of this truth and its beauty until you actually consider a joy through your hardship and you do it and then you begin to experience the glory and the beauty of how the gospel actually empowers you in the midst of your hardship but until you actually make the decision to do it you will not experience it so whatever trial that you're facing consider it a joy endure it Fight it and overcome it. Just do it. And you will see. When things happen, when issues come up, we often turn them into a mere discussion or conversation. And the question we often ask is, why? Why is this happening? Well, James is telling us, don't ask the why, but ask what. What should I do in all this? And just do it. Then you will find the answer, and then you will experience this mystery, power, and the beauty, and you will experience the gospel in a deeper way by doing it, living it. 
Towards the end of this passage, in verse 18, I encourage you to read that for yourself. You will see the language of birth. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, it says. I ask myself, is the gospel of Jesus Christ there in the book of James? I didn't think so, but I realized this time that there is, it is there. Verse 18, it talks about our rebirth, being born again, regeneration, our spirit being born again. This truth that I talk to you about over and over again, that it's not that gospel isn't there in James, it is presupposed. And everything James says is built on the gospel. And therefore, the book of James is actually, I dare say, even for more for the mature, more mature in faith, not the immature. He's saying you can do it because you are born again. So now, go do it and see what happens. So may the book of James lead us to just do our faith so that we might see more. In Jesus' name, amen.